Hey, everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now, and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF, and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Childproofing people's homes is hard. But Duracell is making it just a bit simpler. Not only are they committed to educating parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of battery safety, they make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them. Duracell even features child secure packaging designed to avoid accidental opening. Learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely. Available on 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. King's Island is now open on weekends. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com slash stuff and use the offer code stuff. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry, and uh, this is Stuff You Should Know. The podcast. Mm-hmm. Hey, congratulations to Jerry. She's oh, got, yeah. She's got married. Congratulations, Jerry. Way to go. She just gave a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> to her, she has the right to remain silent. Married. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations to Jerry and Anna, and uh, sadly, Jerry had to go to a different state to get married. Yeah. But she did it. Yes. Because they have initiative. That's right. Don't you, Jerry? Yeah. Thumbs up again. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, congratulations, Cheers. Yeah, we're very happy for you guys. Um, So happy, in fact, that we have a podcast. I just realized I said I'm very happy for you guys, and it sounded not at all happy for them. (laughs) Yes, I'm very happy for you. Yeah, I'm really happy for you guys. Uh, Yeah. But I think everybody bought that you're happy for them. Okay. Everybody knows you. They know me. Well, Jerry bought it, and that's what counts. Jerry, did you buy it? 
She's no. thinking maybe Come see, not. come saw. Interesting. I like your French, Chuck. Thanks. That's the only thing I know how to say. Uh, is it? No, I mean, I, I've got the bonjour down and okay. French fries, <laughs> French bread. France dressing. France dressing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, you say all those things, French dressing, French bread, French fries. And I can tell you that none of them were around 20,000 years ago. Nice segue, my friend. It wasn't. Oh, it was pretty clumsy. I liked it. It felt clumsy, but thank you. Yeah. Are you talking about the paleo diet? <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, is short for paleolithic diet. And um, this thing's been around longer than I thought. The book was written by a guy named Dr. Lauren Cordain, the creator of the paleo diet back in 2002. And um, Dr. Cordain is no slouch. He is a uh, celebrated PhD in health yeah. and health sciences. Um, and he started looking at the massive chronic health problems that face Westerners and Americans in particular, I think we might be the most chronically unhealthy country in the world. Yeah. Um, as far as like diabetes, obesity, um, heart disease, all of these things go. Uh, and Dr. Cordain was like, there's got to be a better way. And what he focused on was the idea that <clears throat> the Western diet is also a very modern diet, uh, full, full of processed foods, foods that are pre-prepared, pre-packaged, boxed even. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have pictures of the food on the box. Laden with chemicals yeah, and stuff, preservatives. Stuff you're not going to do at home. Right. And um, stuff that tastes really good, mainly because it's been designed to taste really good. Um, the problem is, as Dr. Cordain believes, this stuff's really bad for us because of those preservatives, those chemicals, and a lot of the good stuff that was present in it at one point has been worked out, removed. Yeah. So his idea was, well, let's create a diet that's n the opposite of modern, that's prehistoric even. And what he came up with was the paleo or paleolithic diet. And the paleolithic era um, ended at about the advent of agriculture. So the premise yeah. of the, the diet is like all of this stuff would be the same diet that a hunter-gatherer would eat. Yeah, and the idea is, and this is... There's a lot of controversy. Not everyone believes this. Any, there's controversy with every diet. With every diet. But if you subscribe to this, the idea is that our body chemistry and physiology has not changed. Uh, like if you look at a, uh, if you think of it like a hundred yard football field, we went 99 yards as hunter gatherers. And then the last yard is since agriculture has come around. That's the longest yard. So our, so our bodies have not, uh, changed, uh, genetically and they're the same way they were back then. Uh -huh. So to eat how they were back then and they did for thousands and thousands of years makes more sense. I'm um, concerned with that analogy with what happens when we score a touchdown. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is that the end of humanity? I don't know. Huh. Um, but the, the dude you mentioned, he wasn't the first. There was actually a guy in the seventies that wrote a book. Um, Walter uh, Votin uh -huh. wrote a self-published book in 75 called The Stone Age Diet. Oh, I didn't know that. Based on in-depth studies of human ecology and the diet of man. But like I said, it was self-published and he didn't like 
it didn't blow up. <laughs> it definitely took till the 2000s to, to gain traction. Has Cordain like given this guy credit? Has I don't he know. Said like he's based his ideas on this guy or what? I don't know, but I think he was the the first guy to actually coin that term. I gotcha. But um, yeah, these are people who subscribe to that notion that since we haven't uh, changed physiologically and how we're supposed to eat, then we shouldn't be eating how we're eating. Right. We should eat how we used to eat. I would suggest that that's not necessarily true. And the, part of the problem with saying things like that, or saying like. Uh, you know, this is this is how a, p- a paleolithic body, human body, um, absorb nutrients. Or right. these are the nutrients it could absorb. You're you're making a pretty broad and unsubstantiated claim in and of itself. Yeah, like they did okay. <laughs> well, also you don't have the paleolithic body to dissect, right? To study, um, all you have are modern bodies and assumptions about what paleolithic diets were. Like now, I mean, there are still hunter gatherer tribes currently. Yeah, but I haven't seen anybody say, "Well, we study these hunter gatherer tribes specifically for a very long time." No, and we've concluded that this paleo diet is is totally supported by this. It, it's basically people saying, "You know, this is what Paleolithic people would have eaten." Right. So this is how, how their body would have been, and when they make a step to that second sentence. You're you're making a, a jump into an unsubstantiated claim. So I just keep totally that in agree. mind. Yeah, yeah. That's all. And like you said, every every diet on Earth is you're going to find studies that say they're great and studies that say they're not so great. Yeah. You're going to find people who say the food pyramid is what you should look at, and other people that say the food pyramid's out of whack and we shouldn't be eating that many grains. Oh yeah, the um, food pyramid is out of whack. Yeah, but like you know. There is no definitive uh, right or wrong, I think, because every time there's a study done, it seems like there's another study that can refute it. You just hit the nail on the head. There is no right or wrong because we don't understand our body, our bodies and our body's metabolic processes enough yeah. to say this one's right and this one's wrong. For everybody. Yeah. You know, you know, there's no, there's no baseline that's been established. We don't know quite enough yet. And so the problem has been is we've set ourselves back decade after decade by basically picking a study, mm-hmm. whichever one got the most media play and seemed the most sensible. Yeah. And going with that, throwing lots of money and, and education time and effort at bolstering that the findings of that study, even though it may or may not have been the case, rather than just saying like, oh, we're still figuring it out. In the meantime, we think maybe don't eat so much of this or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that's set us back quite a bit, which we'll we'll talk about more later. Yeah. And I think just personally, like if you're, if you're doing it healthily, then find something that works for you. If that's sugar busters, great. If that's Atkins or if that's Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig or super calorie restriction or whatever, it, not everything is going to work for everyone, right. you know. Yeah. And, or or paleo, you know. What are the other names? The warrior diet, or the caveman diet. Yeah. They're you know they're fads, but that doesn't mean there can't be something to some of them for some people. Well, the other thing I think about diets that makes each one so controversial too is that they do end up ultimately being fads, but every single one of the diets aspires to be. That one diet that works for everybody. Right. They all kind of claim that. And that's to sell books, you know. Yeah. Let's get real. But there are 
it's not like these things are are necessarily just totally made up out of whole cloth. Like, no. We'll talk about the paleo diet and, and, and the basis of it, right? So the whole idea is is that, like I said, the modern diet has a lot of foods involved in it that are not good for you. And by cutting those things out, mm-hmm. that's step one. Yeah, basically eating cleaner. Right. But step two isn't just like, okay, so anything that you can find growing on a tree or, you know, that that has a face and you, and you can eat it. Yeah. Um, besides humans <laughs> is healthy for you. Yeah. Um, it, there's, if you take it a little bit further, uh, there's some things that you really shouldn't eat according to the paleo diet. One of the things that it's centered around are foods that if you have to cook them to gain nutrients from them, like beans are a really good example. Right. Uh, you can't eat them. Right. You don't want them. In, in the case of the paleo diet, uh, the reason is, is they affect gut health, supposedly. Right. What else? Well, I mean, should we just go ahead and talk about what is on the good list and the bad list? Yeah. It's just so if you, I mean, you've probably heard of the diet before, uh, especially lately, but generally very high in protein. Yeah, and a lot of people make the mistake of saying like, oh, well, it's just like eating huge steaks all the time and, and, you know, pulling, and eggs. pulling women by their hair. <laughs> like it's like that. It's actually, no, they say protein's like 15 or 19 to 35% of the diet. Right. Whereas, um, Protein for the average diet here in the West is about 15%. Right. So more protein. Um, and when we say protein, we mean poultry and pork and fish and eggs and, uh, you know, even red meat is on there, of course. Right. Uh, then lower, uh, carbohydrates, like a lower amount of carbohydrates and different kinds of carbohydrates. That's right. Um, the carbs you want are slow burning carbs. Yeah. Um, and the the idea behind this extends beyond just the paleo diet. There's a lot of diets, including Atkins, that believe in lowering carbs. Yeah. And they base it on, but it's not no carbs. You do want some carbs because your body does need some energy. Right. Uh, but you, you do want some carbs, but you want carbs from things like an apple or from celery or black olives. Things that are uh, slow-burning carbs that will give you energy without raising your blood sugar. Yeah, something with them low on the glycemic uh, index. Yeah, that's how it's scored. So uh, something that has about a 55 or lower on the glycemic index is considered low. Yeah. And that's what you want as far as a carbohydrate is concerned because it is going to give you energy without raising your blood sugar. When you raise your blood sugar, as I think we talked about recently, um, the insulin comes out to stabilize your blood sugar. Well, insulin sends a a signal to your liver to start producing fat for storage. Right. And that's why you tend to gain weight when you eat carbohydrates because your blood sugar spikes and your insulin comes out. Yeah, and the difference, like, that's the difference between eating a sweet potato or a regular baked potato. Sweet potato, good. Baked potato, not so good. Yeah, and it's glycemic index. Yeah, both carbohydrates, though. Right. The problem is also is the glycemic index is extraordinarily unproven still. It's a, I don't know that it's a relatively new thing, but it's been used much more frequently recently. Yeah. But if you start really looking into the glycemic index, any uh, uh, reasonable source We'll say, like, here's the glycemic index. This is a pretty good understanding of it, but right. the difference between uh, a tart apple and a very ripe sweet apple right. 
you can't just say apples have a glycemic index of whatever. Right. Like one that's ripened more than another. Right. That's just the same exact apple from the same tree are going to have radically different glycemic indices. Yeah, that's interesting. So, I mean, that's like. a solid point, too, because <clears throat> it seems like there are too many definitive statements about diet. Yes. When there shouldn't be. <laughs> Absolutely. The one that I, I think keeps coming up again and again that's the most sensible is. We'll, we'll get to later, but it involves, it's moderation, basically. Yeah. You know, paying attention to your food is very important. Yeah. But, but moderation, you know, like if, if eating a bunch of Twinkies over the course of your lifetime, it's not going to kill you. Right. But if you eat a box of Twinkies a day, like that's, that's, that will kill you. And that's immoderate. Right. Moderation is, is I think the key to health. I agree, man. And that's sort of the key to, I think, most things in life. Yeah. I mean, it pops up everywhere. Like yeah. moderation. Uh, all right. Moderation is the spice of life. <laughs> no, I don't think that's <laughs> the phrase. But, uh, so fiber. Uh, fiber is a big part of the paleo diet. Um, fiber is super great for your health. And people are getting too much fiber from um, grains, or at least the thought is that you're getting too much fiber from your grains, whereas you should get it um, in things like fruits, maybe, mm-hmm. or Whole grains instead of refined grains. Non-starchy vegetables. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, and you, if you're if you're counting carbs too. Yeah. Um, on like a, a low carb or no carb restricted diet, like say Atkins or something. Sure. You um, actually look at the total carbohydrates and then subtract uh, dietary fiber. Right. To come up with what's called net carbohydrates, and those are the ones that you actually count. Uh-huh. Because apparently fiber is counted toward carbohydrates, which is why it shows up in things like non-starchy vegetables and things like that. Right. But um, it, it, it doesn't raise your blood sugar, which is what we come back to again and again and again. Oh, okay. As far as weight loss is concerned. Right, right. Uh, another part of the paleo diet is... Um Fat intake, higher fat intake, but the, the, what they call the right kinds of fats, um, omega-3 and omega-6 fats mainly. Right. So, you want to get into that? Yeah, I think it's time. So this is a, well, before we do, man, let's pull back from the precipice here and take a message break. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The, holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. 
That's right, there's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! So, quickly to recap, things you, that you're going to be eating on the paleo diet are... Uh, lots of protein. Lots of protein, um, lots of vegetables. Slow-burning carbohydrates. Fruits, nuts, things that you might have hunted and gathered back not, in the day. Not beans, not legumes. No. Not modern processed foods. Yeah, not salt. And uh, refined sugar is a really big no-no. Yeah, and we got to fat. And... Um, this is extremely controversial. I thought this was super interesting. The, well, the paleo diet, like pretty much any any typical diet these days, recommends that you really take it easy on the animal fats. Um, and the idea that the reason why pretty much everybody recommends you take it easy on animal fats, saturated fats, which are stearic acid, palmitic acid, and lauric acid. Yeah. Um, those are the three biggest saturated fats found in animal fats. The idea that that everybody has for um, steering clear of them is because they will give you heart disease, heart attacks, coronary disease. Yeah, if you eat too many saturated fats, you're going to die of a heart attack. Exactly. This idea gave rise to a complete change in diet among Americans and Westerners in general. The the whole concept of a low-fat diet, which are, is everywhere. You go to any store, it's like fat-free, low-fat, fat-free, low-fat. Everything is low-fat now. There's a version of it that's low-fat. Yeah. came from a, an initial study from the 50s by a guy named Ansel Keys, who carried out what's called the Six Countries Study. Yeah. And he basically was the first to link animal fat intake to heart disease. Yeah, and it's uh what did they call it the diet heart hypothesis. Yes. And um what stinks about that whole scene is that he sort of did the elementary school science fair project approach which is he kind of ignored the data that didn't support what he wanted. Yeah. And cherry picked out the data that did and went with it and somehow like even though there was like some opposition to it at the time, somehow it became the 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 basis for how Americans were told to eat from now on. Yeah, even though it was flawed. Uh, I mean, for instance, one of the countries he studied was the United States. One of them was Japan, mm-hmm. and he kind of said, "Hey, they have way more heart attacks in the U.S. than in Japan, and it's because they eat more fat." Yeah, they eat more animal fat, and they have more heart attacks. Japan eats less animal fat and has fewer heart attacks. Ipso facto, yeah. eating animal fat leads to heart attacks and heart disease, right? right? Not not considering the amount of sugar Americans ate or bread or nothing lifestyle else. or anything. Yes. No, he didn't. It, there, nothing else was controlled for. So that was part one. Part two is, like you said, he cherry-picked six countries that supported his hypothesis. Uh, and at the time, some other people pointed out. Uh, There's a lot have, of other countries. Yeah, we've got <laughs> data for 22 countries. Yeah. And when you take all that data and do a survey across the 22 countries of a correlation between animal fat intake and heart disease, it, it goes away. That correlation dissolves. Not only dissolves, but like d- disproves it in some cases. Yeah. Uh, the death rate from heart disease in Finland, for instance, was 24 times that of Mexico. Yeah. Even though in Mexico, the fat consumption rate was 
uh, twice as much as Finland. That's right. So that's complete opposite finding. So Keyes does the six-country study in the 50s, and then in uh, 1970, he follows up with the seven-country study. Who did he add? Uh, well, he this, this time he did Japan, Italy, the U.S., Greece, Yugoslavia, Finland, and the Netherlands. Okay. And he found that animal fat was a strong predictor of heart attacks over a five-year period. Uh, again, um, they basically said, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're not doing good science here. And it's unclear, I should say, it's unclear whether Keyes misrepresented his data. Um, he published his findings, like all of right. his findings. He, he wasn't like, I'm just not going to publish this. It was more like in his discussion mm-hmm. at the end of the studies, they, he was saying like, yeah, this kind of came up, but uh, we're not paying attention to that. It doesn't matter. Right. So he doesn't necessarily misrepresent the facts. He, it seems like he was more a victim of the media saying, yes, oh. there's the answer. We've been wondering why Americans die of more heart attacks. This guy just figured it out. It's animal fat intake, saturated fats. And it took off like a rocket from there in the 70s. Well, it's sort of, I mean, it makes sense to the ear when you hear saturated fats. Right. It, it sounds like, well, that's got to clog your arteries and give you right. a heart attack. Saturated. Well, you know, it's saturated with the word saturated means that there's no double bonds of carbon in these fatty chains, these fatty acid chains. Yeah. So unsaturated means that there's at least one atom of carbon linked to another atom of carbon in the chain. In a saturated fat, there's hydrogen carbons linking all of the carbon atoms together. That's it. It's yeah. saturated with hydrogen carbon. It doesn't mean it saturates your arteries right. and clogs it up, Yeah, which is what it sounds like. Exactly. And so Keyes comes up with this. It takes off like a rocket. It becomes adopted officially by the federal government to encourage a low-fat diet. And study after study after study just kind of follows in Keyes' footsteps. The thing is, is if you really kind of look at these studies, especially ones that are just pointed to as like, these are definitive proof that the that that animal fat that saturated fat intake yeah uh produces heart attacks they kind of all fall apart and you realize that for decades now we've just been taken as gospel a it first of all an unproven correlation yeah as causation like completely unproven yeah as far as like you know unarguable evidence goes. Yeah. And there is definitely a dogma that's evolved around this that's been tough to crack. But a lot of scientists have been creating research and publishing research that says, look, man, we don't understand fat like you think. It's not black and white and as simple as that. Like, for example, there's LDL fat and there's HDL fat. And people typically think that HDL is good fat. LDL is bad fat. Cholesterol. Yes. Yeah. Right. So if you have uh, and your body uses cholesterol to, to do things like produce hormones, especially sex hormones. So right. you, you need cholesterol. Right. But it's the idea that your that animal fats raise your LDL, which is the bad cholesterol. Right. Uh, that that gave them this bad rap. But even if you look at LDL cholesterol, not all LDL cholesterol is the same. Right. There's different things called subfractions. And depending on the subfraction, these start to correlate to heart disease finally, right? Right. So some are small, dense types of LDL. Yeah, and some are puffy and pillowy. Right, exactly. And the pillowy ones are fine. They seem to be totally fine. And what they found also is that the overall ratio of pillowy to dense 
LDL yeah. is what finally you can get a good predictor of heart disease risk. Not just LDL cholesterol. Right. But the ratio. Like you can't even say, oh, well, this guy's got a ton of small dense LDL particles right. in his bloodstream, so he's going to die of a heart attack. That's not necessarily true because you haven't taken into account the fluffiness. And if you have more fluffiness than <laughs> dense it's gotta be particles, good. then it's going to even out. Yeah. Well, I like uh, Ronald Krauss. Uh, he's a doctor out at UC Berkeley. He seems to kind of be hitting it on the head with at least how he's characterizing some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one of his statements that struck me was he said it may... These findings may simply suggest that uh, unsaturated fats are, are a healthier option, but not necessarily that saturated fats are killing you. Yes. And that's just a very, like, reasonable thing to say to me. Yeah. Well, he seemed like a very reasonable guy. <laughs> you know when he came in the other day? Right. He's a nice dude. Well, in this article, we should say that this is an NBC, um, really exhaustive NBC News article called yeah. What If Bad Fat Isn't So Bad? It's really worth reading. Well, it is. And one of the, the lead, uh, how the article leads in is super interesting. Um, they have found tribes in Africa, uh, one called the Masai uh, Nomadic Tribe in Kenya and Tanzania. And they basically live on a diet of fat, of of supplemented with blood from cattle they herd, but they basically exist on red meat and whole milk. Their diet's like 60% fat. Yeah, 60% fat. And they're super lean and they're super healthy and their cholesterol levels were some of the lowest they've ever measured in people. Right. So people who responded to this, these these findings said, well, obviously the Messiah have some sort of genetic predisposition to right. lower cholesterol. Somehow there's Not something true. going on. No, because they studied a group of these these tribes people who moved to the city and basically adopted a Western diet, and all of them just immediately they they went right into the normal levels of risk for heart disease. Yeah. Um, so it's clear that it's not just animal fats that are associated with heart disease, and they may not really be associated with heart disease at all. Yeah. We're we're kind of in the stage now where science is undoing the damage. Right. While it still hasn't figured out the true answer, they just know that the that the uh, the high, the the heart diet hypothesis uh, has is not correct. Yeah. There's more to it. Why did Congress in 1977 say this is the way to go, even though the American Medical Association said? This is not necessarily true. Why did, why is the food pyramid endorsed? Does it have something to do with people lobbying for grains? Like who knows? Um, and apparently it wasn't just 1977. They very recently also, um, the government endorsed an even lower saturated fat diet. Like they dropped the percentage of calories daily from 10% to 7%, like this year. Yeah. Or last year. And the, the, the big problem with this, is that, like, it's not like, oh, all these people missed out on all that prime rib they could have been eating the whole time. Right. That's not the problem with it. The problem is, is like, when we adapt, when we adapt, adopted this low fat diet, fat gives taste to food. Yeah. Delicious, uh, delicious taste. It does. Yeah. So when you remove fat, you, you, you're not going to sell a product that's just fat free or even low fat unless you add more salt or unless you add more sugar. So right. if you look at the nutrition info on a low fat product, yeah. like, yeah, there's lower fat, but buddy, you got a lot more calories than you do in just the regular version of that side by side. Yeah. Which, if you look at the medical records 
of every American, if you could, from the 60s to today, yeah. you would find that while we reduced our intake of fat by a third, rates of obesity multiplied by almost three times, and then 11 times more people have diabetes. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a truth that uh, they found that people eat more of low-fat foods right? because they think they can. Yes. Like, oh, this is low-fat mayo, so I'm going to slather up both sides of my sandwich bread. Yeah. Uh, because it's low-fat. And again, this, well, that's why, like, I'm not a paleo diet guy, but I think there's definitely something to eating cleaner. And, you know, a, a doctor and a nutritionist that knows what they're doing will tell you straight up, like, don't eat things from a box and you're headed in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, it, and anything that's kind of been taken from its natural state, even yeah. if it's like not in a box, like for example, I did a brain stuff on what's the difference between whole milk and skim milk. Yeah. Well, skim milk is really, really, really messed around with milk. Yeah. And I processed, you could say. Whereas whole milk, you're like, oh, well, it's got a ton of fat in it. I mean, like that's cream mixed in there. That's it's whole milk for a reason. It's not messed around with. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's the whole thing with antibiotics, and you may be lactose intolerant. But I'm just saying specifically from a nutritional point of view. Yeah. If you have whole milk, you have whole milk. If you have skim milk, you have milk that's had the fat removed. Yeah. And replaced with something like high fructose corn syrup or something right. like that. Some powdered milk proteins. It's it's messed around. It's it's processed. It's not the same thing. And the other problem with drinking anything but whole milk is that when you take the fat, the milk fats out, which, by the way, some uh, margeric acid yeah. has been shown to actually lower your risk of heart disease and actually increase your HDL, good cholesterol. Right. Um, when you take the milk fats out, you're also taking out the vitamin A and the vitamin D. Yeah. And those are fat soluble, which means that fat needs to be present for your body to absorb them. Yeah. And you can make up for that in other areas, but you have to know to do that. It's like people who jump on uh, and become like vegan or vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do your homework. If you want to do that, that's great. But you need to find a way to give your body the things it needs that maybe uh, was in that milk or that uh, red meat. Right. Like with the paleo diet, they, they say stay away from dairy. Right. Which I disagree with. Yeah. This, I found that some paleo will drink dairy or, mm-hmm. or ingest dairy. It's sort of a... But the, it definitely isn't endorsed. But it's it's interesting that like we're the only animal that drinks milk into their life, like after after we're you know weaned off of it. Yeah, I like thought it, it's it's definitely an odd thing, and that's, I think that's why the paleo they say not to drink milk because cavemen didn't you know go around milking cows. No, and I mean we are reared to drink milk. We remember in the microbiome episode we talked about how you're your mother's like gut bacteria is transferred to you yeah. so that you can break down breast milk. So apparently the newest thing that I saw was that lactose intolerance comes from the fact that everybody can digest milk, but then only something like a third of humans keep maintain that ability to break down milk and everybody else loses it as they age. It's because we're supposed it to. Yeah. It's interesting. I never really thought about it before, but no one else but us drinks milk. Yeah. As adults, you know. Even goats. They don't drink milk. So um, before we keep going, let's. you want to do another message break? Yeah. Okay. Stuff you should know. Hey, Chuck. Yeah. I don't know if you know this or not, but this episode is brought to you in part by Squarespace. 
That's right. It's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. And we don't have to do that because we have our own website. But if I was a single guy, I would sign up for Squarespace. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you have intuition? Uh, yeah, do. Yeah, you do. And since you have it, you could use Squarespace. It's like drag and drop. There's no need to learn how to use code. And if you find yourself in a pickle, they've got 24-7 customer support, email support, live chat. They're there all the time for you. Yeah, and it's super design focused. It's going to look amazing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not too expensive either. No, it isn't too expensive. Costs are as low as $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And... Get this, everybody. We have a special offer for you. You can go to www.squarespace.com slash stuff and sign up for a free 14-day trial with no credit card necessary. And if you use the offer code stuff, S-T-U-F-F, you can get 10% off of your first purchase. Well, that sounds like a deal, my friend. It does. So everybody go to squarespace.com slash stuff and use the promo code stuff. Stuff you should so, Chuck, you said, I wanted to also say, you said that, um, you know, some paleo people say, well, you can still eat butter or something like that or drink milk. Uh, if you go on the paleo website yeah. and read stuff from Cordain, he is like, there's people out there who are like paleo experts who right. say you can eat legumes or you can have a little butter or something. He's like, they're wrong. He's basically, saying none of that, right? Yeah. He's basically saying like, what I wrote is right. Right. And like, it's not an evolving concept. That it's like you can't eat legumes, you can't eat beans, like yeah. it's not okay. There is something called the eighty-five fifteen rule that he built into it, which I think was smart. What's that like? Eighty-five percent of the time, go paleo. Yes, it's you can simple. have about three meals a week um, where that are non-paleo, and still uh, get the benefits of the paleo diet according to the paleo diet. Hmm. Well, is have they found? Do they have any like definitive research? There is no definitive research on any of these, right? Like the, the paleo will cause you to be healthier? Yeah. I mean, no. I, here's the thing. Like from this episode, I think the one thing everybody should walk away with besides a, an understanding of the basics of the paleo diet. So are you saying this is the takeaway? Yes. All right. <laughs> the takeaway is as follows, Chuck. If you see a study in a, an article, mm-hmm. like click on the link and read the abstract. Right. And see if the sample size is enough to convince you that it's a believable study. Yeah, we didn't even get into the four studies that a lot of the saturated fat argument is based on throughout the years. But there are four notable ones that are always pointed to. And every single one of them are flawed in some way. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a problem with it. And, and I, I, I say that also because like even the article that we have on How Stuff Works cites a 2009 study published in Cardiovascular Diabetology which is a journal, <laughs> and it found that um, people with type 2 diabetes who followed the paleo diet for three months benefited more than those who followed a standard recommended diet for diabetics. That just sounds like a problematic study. Well, it's it's, but if you just read that sentence, and right. this is a very typical sentence for any media article, yeah. you're like, oh, well, that proves that the paleo diet works. At least there's one study out there that proved that it works. But if you click the link and read the abstract, there were 13 people in the study, 10 men and three women. <laughs> they were, they carried it out for two consecutive three month periods. Wow. And like, sure, okay, the findings proved that among these 13 people, the paleo diet was better right. for people with type 2 diabetes than a diabetic diet. 
And, but that, can you extrapolate that? Yeah. And the problem is, is like, even on our beloved How Stuff Works website, the way that the media is set up, it's like, here, here's something that proves my point. Yeah. It's, here, here's it's something. like a trap almost. Yeah. And it's just, if you, if you as a consumer or a, a thinking person can just go a step further and just click that link, like, I almost guarantee you, whatever study is being discussed, the journalist is, is, you know, linked to it. Right. Click the link and it'll take you to an abstract and you can read, you know, w- yourself about this study and yeah. make your own decisions. Agreed. I think like that's my takeaway is be your own health advocate. Read, read the, the labels of the things you're eating and putting into your body. Yeah. Do the research, read studies and decide what works for you uh, and try it out. It's yeah. not like the end all be all. You don't have to stick to it for life. No, and I mean, I think most of the um, most of the diets that are around these days are for a prescribed period of time. Yeah, very difficult. There's like a boot camp, like kind of version at the beginning. Yeah, and then it becomes easier and easier, and you reach like some totally. sort of level of gen- general maintenance. But I think f- from doing any diet like that for a couple of weeks, even one of the great things that you get from it is that you learn about your food whether you want to or not right because just by preparing your own food mm-hmm. planning your own your meals every day rather than just like going down to the cafeteria or going to like a, a fast food place and just buying something like you're forced to get to know the food you're eating yeah like you know how many carbs are in celery right you know like how much fat is in like this um, this, you know, five ounce steak, right? Like you just know these things and that in and of itself is something that makes you better off just for having done it. Yeah. I think the ill health comes from, a, a, from not planning and resorting to what's around you because what's around you and easy is usually not good for you. Right. So you got to put a little, little effort into it. Yeah. Um, I did find this and I'm going to, I'm pooping it right off the bat, but, uh, us news, and World Report did uh, evaluated and ranked 32 diets from a panel of experts. Uh, to be top rated, a diet had to be relatively easy to follow, nutritious, safe, and effective for weight loss, and against diabetes and heart disease. So according to the experts, uh, these are the top 10 diets. And by the way, the paleo diet was 32 out of 32. Wow. They had it dead last. Wow. Uh, the DASH diet is number one. Uh, and I'm, we're not going to get into what all these are. You can look it up if you're interested. But the DASH diet came in at one. The TLC diet is number two, and that is not the TLC network. <laughs> it stands for something. Uh, the Mayo Clinic diet, the Mediterranean diet, and Weight Watchers all tied at number three. And then at number six, something called the Flexitarian diet, which I've never heard of. Uh, also tied at six was Volumetrics. Uh, number Ooh, that eight. That sounds sciencey. <laughs> it does. Uh, number eight was Jenny Craig. Uh, number nine was the Biggest Loser Diet. Apparently, they have their own diet. Huh. That's uh, not surprising. And number ten was the Ornish Diet. O R N I S H. And uh, man, this, it's a big industry. If you want to write diet books, yeah, try and get people going on good health. Write diet books. Start making like convenience food that falls within the diet. Yeah, that that's some money. But uh, so, what's our advice? Be your own health advocate. Try to avoid packaged foods and uh, and uh, put some time into it. That's right. How's that? We should write a book. That's good stuff. <laughs> if you want to know more about the paleo diet, too, you can um, 
look them up online at paleodiet.com. Uh, and yeah, just start looking around. If once you start poking into that kind of stuff, yeah, like it, it's almost like a great entree into the world of like understanding your own nutrition. It's empowering. Yes. Uh, and if you want to learn more about the paleo diet, you can type those words into the search bar at howstuffworks.com. And since I said that, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this uh, Defending Skinner. Uh, hey, guys, my name is, and I don't know how to pronounce it. It's H-A-I-K-E. Any idea? Heike? Hike? H, what? H-A-I-K-E. It's this person. Hake? Hake? Maybe. All right, I'm going to go with Hake. Uh, hi, guys, my name is Hake. And I'm an Austrian uh, psychology student. Um, I just wanted to defend poor B.F. Skinner in case no one else did it yet. Uh, in the Amnesia episode, you mentioned how Skinner's daughter should be honored because she was tortured in a box. Well, all Skinner ever put in the Skinner box were rats and pigeons. The thing he invented for his daughter was called the air crib. Uh, it is a crib that is higher than the average crib, so it's easier to stoop over. Uh, and in it, there was a controlled climate for the infant. Uh, fresh, clean air was coming in from the outside, and temperature as well as humidity could be controlled. Oh, <laughs> sounds like a box to me. <laughs> uh, it was just a device designed to make the baby's life more comfortable and the parent's life a little, uh, a little easier. Uh, Deborah Skinner is fine and untraumatized, and she herself says that people should stop talking rubbish about her dad and her. Uh, so maybe I can help, uh, help her out. With this email, she owes you. She does. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. Um, my boyfriend is also a fan. Oh, so Hake is a is a lady. Not necessarily. Oh yeah, that's true. Look at me. We'll find out. I'm, I'm a caveman, <laughs> eating meat and nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that is very unlike me too. Oh, you got a boyfriend. It's got to be a girl, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, and also, I wanted to point out an error I made in uh, when I was. Talking about how I wanted to punch Jared with the uh, toxic bread of Subway. Oh, yeah. You heard about it for that. Well, in my defense, all the uh, it, it turns out that is not true, but all that stuff came out after we recorded. Like, that was had just hit the news the day we recorded, and then all the other stuff saying, no, it's this one lady who had a bone to pick, and she was wrong. Hmm. That came out afterwards. So gotcha. uh, Subway does not do that, and I still want to punch Jared. Okay. I hope Jared doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Uh, I'd if, feel so bad if he came up to me one day. He's like, man, I really am, I'm a big fan. Yeah. At VideoCon? Oh, I'd hug him. Uh, yeah. I will look forward to that. <laughs> I'll get a video of yeah. that and post it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me and Chuck and point out how we were wrong or how we can better ourselves or that kind of thing. Oh, and thank you, by the way. What did we end up on? Hike or Hake? I went with Hake. We'll go with Hake. Thanks, Hake. Um, if you want to be like Hake and correct us, you can send us a tweet to SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. And as always, you can join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. 
Ugh, I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.